It's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-age kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids. But I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Danita Bailey. Welcome to School Days, help for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I'm Danita Bailey. Recent studies have shown that this generation of students are less likely than every previous generation to have work experience. Students are graduating with a skills gap that companies are having to compensate for with new hires. What's worse is that college students don't even believe that a gap exists while employers are finding them underqualified. Think about your first job out of college. Were there a few hard lessons that you had to learn? I know that I did. Although I had quite a bit of work experience prior, I was not nearly prepared enough for the office politics and the new rules I wasn't privy to. Schools are aware of a school skills gap and are including college and career readiness curriculum and even partnering with companies to make sure that they're meeting the needs of future employers. This morning, I'll be talking to Brenda Williams, whose career has centered on corporate talent acquisition, recruitment, and leadership development for both adults and students. We'll talk about what's happening regarding career readiness and with students today and what we as parents can do to prepare our kids for, of all ages for success in the future. Before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag SchoolDazed and hashtag IamSchoolDazed. And also, we want you to be a part of the show, so if you're live with us on Facebook right now, you can drop us a question there and we will do our best to answer your question. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest. So Brenda Williams is the diversity recruiter advisor for BKD CPAs and advisors. She plays a key role in the execution of BKD's diversity, diversity talent attraction and recruitment strategies for campus and experienced talent. Ms. Williams has also served as university relations manager under talent acquisition for En-ROADS, Inc. And En-ROADS is a leadership development organization that gives access to corporate America um, for, to underrepresented students. Her professional journey has taken her to some small and large companies performing the duties of accountant, information specialist, technical consultant, and project manager before becoming talent manager with En-ROADS. She continually lives out her passion to work with students through NABA, which is the National Association of Black Accountants, and En-ROADS while giving back to the very organization that started her career path. Ms. Williams is married and lives in Dallas. And she happens to be a longtime family friend. Yes, yes. so welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's my honor. Yes. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. Okay. So I mentioned in the intro that kids are graduating with less work experience than previous generations. Mm -hmm. What are some of the reasons you think that is? I think one of the reasons is just over the generations how times have changed. If our parents were trying to give us better because they didn't have access to things and create that environment for us, made us kind of work harder for it. We still had to work to get a car. Mm -hmm. We all couldn't wait to go get a job by the time we could get employed at 15 or 16, even if it was just Six Flags. We're Before like, what's that? the age of Six Flags? We want to be at Six Flags. <laughs> Um, because that was our playground. But, um, and, and now, even with the safety issue, we used to play in the streets, we used to be out, you know, till the street lights came on, as they used to say, and now people are very guarded with their students or with their children. And so I just think if you had better, and you're still trying to make your kids have better, it creates more of, um, they're not having to work hard. So that work ethic has kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. I also think the high schools have picked up on it, and so in the last couple of years, of them creating those um, 
collegiate institutes or those career or tech type things to realize that going to college is not the path for everyone, mm -hmm. but having a skill that you can be a productive citizen is valid. And so creating that in high school, they've recognized it and started to implement that. And so I think in the next decade that will change, that they will go back to having a really strong workforce because the work ethic will have shifted mm -hmm. a little bit. Do you also think that the, this generation of kids is very, um, woke for a better word and and so yes. maybe that they are doing a lot more volunteering and uh, working with their causes versus actually having work experience this is true some um, talking to a lot of students over the last a decade or so have shared I want to save the world I want to do something good which is great and you know a lot of corporate America has or corporations have adopted that if you buy this pair of socks we're gonna donate a pair of socks if you buy this pair of shoes we're gonna donate a pair of shoes so that give back is very important to a lot of people and then you have those students who strive to just be they're all in their books and just want to get the book part out and so right. I think the best student is someone who's somewhere in the middle because those jobs unfortunately when you want to save the world don't equate to well-paying <laughs> jobs it's great it makes you feel good trust me it makes you feel good but it doesn't equate to being um, sometimes not a, a particular salary that can help you survive mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unfortunately unfortunately <laughs> so tell me what is the difference between college and career readiness so what I think the difference is college readiness is having a set of skills knowledge and behaviors where upon graduation and entering your freshman year of college you can be successful you've been set up with the things necessary Career really is not much difference. Both of them um, share the same competencies. So critical thinking and problem solving. Those soft skills that people talk about all the time are still necessary. Um, exercising sound reasoning, analyzing issues, making decisions and overcoming problems are things both are needed. And so some people don't focus on, very few students realize what they wanna do when they grow up. I still say, what am I going to do when I grow up? I think I found an area that I enjoy a lot. Are you there yet? I, I, I think I'm on the cusp of finding what I want to do when I grow up. And so that used to be something we used to joke about. But seriously, students who are not in an environment where someone's coaching them and talking about what you're going to do with your um, college information, then they're kind of lost and they, they major in things that don't equate to being a successful or a citizen that's going to be about adding value to society. Mm -hmm. And so I just think we really need to focus on those soft skills. And I know we're gonna talk about a little bit of that later. And um, there's not a lot of difference being ready, being ready for college or your career is really being ready to, to function in society and taking the knowledge and keep building on that. Mm -hmm. So I was, <laughs> reading this great article um, yesterday and it was talking about this girl who was um, a, a straight-A student mm -hmm. she's great academically mm -hmm. and she thought that that meant that she was going to be ready for college so mm -hmm. the, or not college uh, the workforce mm -hmm. yeah and she, she was grossly um, disappointed yeah so does do does um, do great students automatically make great employees uh, not necessarily based on the story you just said and even in your introduction when you said you were met with things you weren't privy to of how corporate America works if that's the direction students wish to take and so a well-rounded student someone who's volunteering and getting exposure to giving back and helping people um, I think is a great component to take into the workplace as well as all of those skills I just mentioned those soft skills but if you're not Ex exposed to it and and you still could be first generation that's still a pretty high number of students who don't have someone who's able to talk them through or have the resources around to support that effort and they're kind of finding their way you've got to have a balance and so I see a lot of students who have that 4.0 or 4 point whatever the grading scale may be that don't necessarily succeed in the workplace because they don't bring the other soft skills with that mm -hmm. so it takes a combination of the soft skills in addition to the technical skills to yeah. be successful yeah what are some of the differences and and so I'll, I'll list a couple that she said in particular okay so she said that you know in school mm -hmm. you will be promoted most likely to the next grade mm -hmm. not so much so with uh with uh with your work situation correct you know, you could be sitting in a cubicle next to somebody your age who came in at the same time that you mm -hmm. did. That doesn't mean that you're both going to get um, promoted at the same time. Right. Yeah. So what are some of the kind of the other differences that we don't think about? I don't think we think about it. I know students go to school and they're like, oh, when the bell rings, we know we need to be there. 
but then when you go to corporate America, there is no bell to ring. And so <laughs> people are watching you. Um, it's almost like a forever interview. People are watching you when you come in, when you leave, and kind of how you're conducting yourself throughout the day. So you always want to put your professional um, image forward. And hopefully it's not two different people. Hopefully what you bring to work <laughs> is your authentic self in most cases. Mm -hmm. um, another thing, uh, I'm trying to think of for my inroads days. I was an inroads alum, so coming to work early, um, the conversation, being a part of and seeking out different learning opportunities and not just sitting there waiting for people to bring you work. Mm -hmm. So in school, you're given the work. And sometimes in corporate America, you're not necessarily given the work. And right. sometimes you have to seek out or ask to be put on projects to be included in certain things so you can develop your skill set. Mm -hmm. And so I always view it as the more I can get exposed to in corporate America, the better off I'll be because it just continues to build my skill set, even where I am now. Um, even though I think I've almost made it to where I think I want to do when I grow up, <laughs> I just think um, I still like, oh, my gosh, please invite me to that. Please include me. Add me to the list. And luckily, I'm in a position where everybody's like, oh, my gosh, yes, Brenda, you should be on board. But that's not always the case. And I know it, people are still disappointed. They come in at the same time and they're not promoted at the same time with a colleague mm. or someone that they would have trained. And then that person got promoted over them. Mm. That kind of still exists in corporate America. Mm -hmm. It stings a lot and people get a little <laughs> disheartened. And so, again, I just come from, you know, the more I can learn, the more I can add value. And what companies are looking for is how can you add value and really how can you help them solve a problem? Because at the end of the day, how can we solve a problem so we can increase or keep or maintain our bottom line? Mm -hmm. I think that's really what it's all about. So mm -hmm. to me, it's always a positive of how can I add value? It only adds value for me, more skill sets. Yeah. Another thing that she said is that uh, you're given at the beginning of the semester a syllabus. Mm -hmm. You know where you're going. Mm -hmm. You know how you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. What's that? What's the difference there in that the workplace? That is a little different. So you don't necessarily <laughs> get that plan of action or that calendar of here's your next 12 months or here's your next six months. There's no longer semester, so there's no break in between that you, in school, you get the syllabus. You know when you're going to be out of school. You plan accordingly and do your work. Um, that's not the same. So you're a, di a different calendar is given to you um, of when to be at work. So you have to mindset shift for that. Then work is um, you've got to uh, use some of those skill sets you learned in school to transfer over to help you plan and become more of a project manager for yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a project manager certificate to make that happen, but to be able to get your work together and it just, for instance, it just happened to me on uh, a Thursday, my boss said, hey, I'd like to get your six month plan. I was looking at her like we didn't <laughs> we didn't have that discussion with six month plan. I know I'm new and I probably should be working on something like that. I get that brand new position they've never had before. So I don't have anything to refer to or anything like that, which is great for me. But I was just looking at her to smile on my face. My mom was like, is she serious right now? And she's like, yeah, we have to have these outputs in May. And I was like, so there's a, um, a hidden calendar that I wasn't privy to. And I said, oh, so now I just need to what, change the way I ask questions. Like, what is the proposed deadline? Or what do you think it's going to be? Because I had no idea there was one in mm -hmm. this particular instance. So in 48 hours, I had to create a six-month plan of what I was going to do. And at the time, I was kind of frazzled and then I sat down I was like I really do have a lot of work to get done um, because it is a new position so I was able to put it down and we really only chalked out three months of it in a conversation and so it's so much work and what I thought was going to be done in four months she was like no we need to do that in January I said oh okay <laughs> well let's adjust and so you have to be a little flexible and adaptable um, I'm not going to say on the fly but just expect it to come because sometimes deadlines do shift and so you don't get that ease of knowing here's your curriculum Here's your deadline to get it done. It just, I wish it worked like that. I think people who like that kind of structure, it works great for, but um, most industries that is not adaptable. Yeah. Another thing that she said is that in school, extra credit is extra. It's kind of a cherry on top. Uh huh. But in corporate America or in the workplace in mm -hmm. general, you're expected to go the extra mile. It is. Um, this is true. People like th that volunteering to be on something is seen as going extra. Mm -hmm. And especially in the work environment I'm in now, they actually have these awards that employees can nominate each other, which kind of keeps everybody on their toes. Mm -hmm. So when you're nominated in these four categories, which the company's built on, and people get what they call wow awards and they get recognized, you know, at the end of the month when all the awards go into this selection committee. But you don't know the impact you're having on somebody. But really, at the end of the day, it's really just being your authentic self and being kind to people, 
in doing your work, doing your part of the work, because your part is part of a pie. It's not individual work anymore. So from school to corporate, your individual um, school is more individual, what you can get done. And in college, you have some group work, but in corporate America, it is all group work, and yeah. it's a bigger picture. And collectively, how can we get this done together? So I know how important my piece is. I can probably function a little better if I understand that part. Yeah. Since the rules are so different in corporate America, mm -hmm. what are some of the social and emotional skills? You mentioned a little bit of it that mm -hmm. you have to learn to be flexible. Mm -hmm. So what are some other social emotional skills that we should be helping our children develop right now? So emotional is the most emotional intelligence, how to handle yourself um, when something happens and it may throw you off your rocker, but how do you handle that in the workplace? You know, what's acceptable? How do you expose yourself? It may not be the right word, but <laughs> how do you expose in the sense of how much of you can you bring to work? And mm -hmm. is this a safe environment? Do I That's trust the question. people that I'm around to be able to share something? So if something is happening when personally, which could possibly affect my work, if a parent passed away or there was some tragedy in the, in the family as a whole, how do you navigate getting to work and people understanding what you could be going through to help support you through that? So definitely with the emotional intelligence and being able out to conduct yourself. The social part, I'm still trying to understand because we didn't have, <laughs> I mean, I'm a social butterfly and we thought social was just connecting with people, but now social media is part of the social intelligence and how do you conduct yourself with using um, social media and so parents have to watch what their parent, their students are having access to and, and using on their cell phones or tablets or whatever you have if you're using the parent parental controls or not. I don't have kids so I've never turned those things on and so that's got to be a book to read in itself and the instructions right. just to go through that part just so you can guard them but they have access to so much more information than we had access to growing up and so you have to be extra on top of things to make sure what they're getting and ingesting is what you want. So the output will be what you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would think also your um, ability to, um, some of the skills that they need, the social, the, it, mm -hmm. to kind of understand yourself and to mm -hmm. understand other people. Um, one of the things that I know that I struggled with when I was in the workplace was um, people working at different speeds. Because you, as you mm. said, most everything is project related. Yes. And so you are dependent on other people a yes. lot of times. And yes. you're dependent on their um, desire to do this job. Yes. yes. <laughs> and complete this project. Yes. And things like that. So what are some of the, the kind of people skills that you need? Wow. And so college is trying to approach that as well. That's why they force those group projects, right? Mm -hmm. But I tell them, college, you either you self-select who you want to be on your team or their professors putting you in teams. Right. But in corporate America, that's not the case. You don't get a chance to pick the team. Mm -hmm. You can volunteer to be on the team, but you're not quite sure of the makeup of the team and who brings what. So the people skills, I think, would be um, great communication skills, mm -hmm. external, written and verbal. Yeah. Um, leadership, having, a, you know, not you don't necessarily, you can be a leader without having to run the project, mm -hmm. but bring in your leadership, your self-control of not being, not saying something you may not agree with at that particular time. That's good. Or, That's just a good life skill in right, general. Right, in general. you are. Exercise some <laughs> self-control. And, um, and even with the group and, you know, managing yourself, building that, uh, your reputation within that team, you have to, to start kind of you're starting from scratch, especially if you don't know everybody or you've not worked with them before. Knowing people and working with them are not, is almost as night and day as graduating from college and going to corporate America. It's not <laughs> necessarily the same thing. And so understanding people and, letting, and listening a lot and taking in the information before you try to input, assert your opinion. Everybody's got one, but sometimes listening to everybody's opinion may help your opinion take a different form and like, oh, I didn't consider that factor. And remember, because you're on a team that everybody has something to say and everybody's input can be valid, some you'll probably say, oh my gosh, why are they thinking like that? Or you're like, man, that was really good. Let me help build on that and let's move us forward. It could be something, I mean, even for me, some, in some areas, I was like, I got this, I don't need help. And then other areas, like, I really want everybody's input because I want us to move forward as a team. So working individually and working with a team, even in a leadership role, you have to put yourself kind of in a different position. If you want everybody to be successful, mm -hmm. you can't always like be a dictator. You do this, you do this, and you do this, kind of 
let's all allocate to our skill sets and then let's see what we come up with at the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's good. In what ways can career readiness impact academic achievement? I think uh, building on those um, soft skills, it impacts your success. And so you mentioned before that the student, she wasn't ready for corporate America from college. And so really it's just honing in on those, um, those soft skills, including collaborating with people, you know, probably mm -hmm. even when you don't want to, to start understanding what that skill set is like. And so it used to be working well with teams, now it's collaborating. So the terms keep changing and in 10 years it'll be something, or five years it'll be something different from collaborating. Um, get, getting used to presenting information and communi communicating information. So in schools and those group projects, they're doing um, presentations in some form or fashion. And so whether it's having note cards or whether it's we all memorized our part and we got a slide presentation or they may have something new tool that they could be using, but getting used to doing that. Um, for instance, I just did a presentation to all of the managing partners within our organization. And so when I first heard that on day two, I was like, to who am I speaking with, what? <laughs> and so these are all of the people that run all of our 40 offices and okay. the CEO and the C all, everyone in the C-suite. So this is everyone who makes the decision makers. And I was like, so you want me to stand in front of all these people? And in my mind, I was, at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a daunting task. But I talk to people all the time. So I was like, they're just people, I'm gonna get it done, go over the presentation. A lot of eyes have to see the presentation, but a lot of what I submitted stayed in the presentation. So I was really excited about that because a lot of um, people need to read and then we have a department that makes sure everything's correct. And I was like, oh, there's people. I'm not used to having people. I'm used to working by myself. I love the people thing. <laughs> so having to get used to that dynamic. Um, but the meeting was last week and it was successful. And so the person who runs the Dallas office was like, Brenda, you did a great job. And I was like, really? So I just didn't believe in myself or have the confidence. And so that's the other confidence. thing is their confidence. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the confidence. So when he said that, I was like, I set up a little higher in my chair. I was like, so I do know, I think I know what I'm doing, but to hear somebody say it back to you kind of confirms you're on the right path. Mm -hmm. And so all of those things are um, important. I, I visited a, a school that focuses on uh, career and technical and STEM mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they focus on a lot is presentation, mm -hmm. especially in the STEM school that I visited. Mm -hmm. They have to present their ideas and present their projects mm -hmm. with regularity. Yeah. Because that is something that's going to, obviously in the STEM, STEM fields, that's going to be right. important. But it's but almost any field or any industry because you can have a great idea, but if you can't communicate that to someone, mm -hmm. You can't present it to someone, at least someone who could communicate it for you. If you can't communicate that to someone, that idea is just going to be an idea that will never come to fruition. So it's hugely important on the presentation. Fortunately for me, I don't think I did a lot of presentation in college. Don't think I did a lot of presentations in inroads at that time. Now it's part of the program. But definitely it, as a technical consultant, I was training people and so I presented every day. Mm, so every I was day. able every mm. day, you know, Monday through Friday, I was able to perfect that or get better at it and mm -hmm. try to, without, there are classes for adult learning versus um, child learning. And so you can go to to try to keep adults entertained. And so that's a little different when you're trying to disperse information. I think adults' attention span is not much different than children, really. <laughs> uh, no slight, but you know, after about an hour, everybody needs a break, everybody yeah. needs to get up, move around, that kind of thing. And so you have to plan your um, presentation accordingly. And so it took some time. So doing it every day helped me kind of hone that in. And so now presentation, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Now, do I still get nervous? Of course. If I have a microphone, it's even worse. But if I could just yell, I'm great. <laughs> I'm fantastic if I could just yell. The microphone throws a whole nother dynamic. But it is important. The presentation part, I think, is critical. And that's a life skill that will, they'll use the rest of their lives yeah. in whatever fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how young is too young to start preparing your kids, or how young should we start preparing our kids uh, for the workforce? I think young is too young. I used to have a friend, or the, the person still my friend. I used to have a friend <laughs> back in the day in Napa. We used to have professional meetings every once a month. Every, I mean, or biweekly on a Thursday. And this one gentleman would bring his two children, and we were like, 
you don't have babysitter? Why you bring kids? You know, that's what we say from a profession, you know, like right. we were tied, you need to be in the room, it needs to be quiet, everybody needs to be still for the presenter to present. Then over time, it was, uh, people can move around and the presenter's gonna present. I was like, ooh, that's rude, but it's a generational thing. It's mm. not necessarily good or bad, it's just a generational thing. And so I've learned to have more self-control and not say stuff to people like, okay. <laughs> but I didn't realize when I saw his children go to college, I was like, you know what? I see the value of them being exposed to a meeting setting mm -hmm. of professional people, hearing what other people did, help form what they did or majored in in college. Mm -hmm. And I said, I see when they got to that point, I was like, oh my gosh, I see the value. And so I encourage people to bring their, their child or grandchild or whoever they're keeping to the meetings. We just had a NABA student conference and someone brought their grandchildren and one young lady brought her daughter. And they were excited to participate in the night we dressed up. It was kind of cocktail, but they were excited. They were dressed and ready to go. So they were getting accustomed to and getting exposed to that kind of atmosphere. So I think it's not too young to expose them. Just like everything else, everybody's honed in on that third grade. Um, just seeing what's available and an exposure. Mm -hmm. And then I think back to how I grew up that our parents, we did, um, family vacations each summer from whether it was the station wagon or the van, but being exposed to seeing other parts of the world, knowing that there's something else out there other than just the Dallas yes. Metroplex is a huge, it's a game changer when I listen to other people and they've not been from forward to Dallas or forward to Arlington mm -hmm. or traveled out of the state of Texas. And so the things I've been exposed to, I just sit back and just grateful mm -hmm. for that now. Mm -hmm. And you know, because you've known us for, for forever. My, it my seems dad, like it. It does. I mean, I feel like I was 12 when I met you. Oh, my gosh. Or 15. We're still was the I, same age. It, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everybody else is aging. We're not aging. That, that's, that's, absolutely. But um, so I worked for my father. He's a financial mm -hmm. consultant. He's mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. I had my first work experience at nine. Mm -hmm. He would have me making phone calls. He'd have me filing. He'd have me doing all sorts of things in the office, mm -hmm. and he was a tough, tough boss. <laughs> but look at those skill sets, phone etiquette, organizational skills, mm -hmm. understanding, coming to work, needing to get, you know. Dressing. Dressing properly, properly. or appropriate. So now the dress code's kind of relaxed. I've it worked for a company then. that was blue suits and white shirts, yeah. to now it's where we could wear jeans. I was like, jeans, that's not appropriate. <laughs> so it's just my generation. I was like, okay, that's, I, I wore jeans at work. I felt so weird, but like everybody else's. We couldn't wait for jeans. I was like, "This is not my jeans, not my thing," <laughs> but um, that's that's fine. But the the skill sets that you learned, even doing that at nine, mm -hmm. it, you probably didn't even think about it till recently. About I've known this forever. Yes, and it, it was easy, and probably through school it helped you be a little step ahead of everybody else mm -hmm. who didn't have that exposure. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. It's as early as you think your child, everybody's different, that you think your child is ready to absorb that mm -hmm. information and be able to be a value add in this situation. Your dad trusted you be a value add because mm -hmm. you said he was a tough, tough boss. Oh, he was a tough <laughs> boss. I, he was probably, well, not, I was going to say my toughest boss ever. I know, yeah. I, had, I had some duties. Yeah, <laughs> he was your first tough boss. He was my first tough boss. He prepared boss. you for other tough bosses. Yeah. He, all situations of a tough boss are difficult. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I just look at every situation of if you learn nothing else, you learn what you don't want or accustomed to, and you know how to kind of course correct and change that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. and I, I've used every skill that he taught mm -hmm. me. Um, until this day, mm -hmm. I've learned everything that I, I've used everything that he's taught me in every single job I've had, mm -hmm. and um, you know he taught me my work ethic. Exactly, he built that in me because yep. he was a tough boss mm -hmm. and he had high expectations. Yes. and so I knew I couldn't come with some junk. <laughs> exactly, because he wasn't going to take it. Now, no. in turn, do you do that for your your children? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So mm -hmm. my kids are entrepreneurs. Okay as their parents are, and each one of them has a business in some way. Okay, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I and love that. so we're teaching, a, they're learning all sorts of wonderful things like negotiation and oh, the key. value of things mm -hmm. versus, you know, I, I've talked about this on other broadcasts. My, my daughter, Christina, has a rock uh, painting company, Okay. right? And so I tell her, okay, now that's a really big rock and you spend a lot of time on that, so that's not a five cent rock. All right. That's to understand. Like yes. 50 cent rocks. Yes. So they're already learning so many great That's um, valuable. skills. And they're mm -hmm. having fun. You know, yes. they're doing kid stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, it's learning, appropriate. Yeah. It's and appropriate. learning, mm -hmm. you know, customer acquisition and mm. learning, um, 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 what was I going to say? What 
I can't remember where I was going. <laughs> they're learning um, what looks good. Like right. you have to make sure quality control is where quality, I was trying I gotcha. to say. They're learning quality control. There's all sorts of wonderful things with entrepreneurialism. Yeah, and actually, we have a show at the end of this month that's going to be talking about entrepreneur, oh, kid awesome. entrepreneurs. Yeah, so I'm excited that's about that. That's on the rise. That's oh. awesome. Yeah. I don't think that was something our generation had access to. Like our parents were like, no, corporate America, that's yeah. what I had to do because that's what it was. And so there's so many more options out there now. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people are a little bit of both. There are people who are entrepreneurial at heart, and so they may have something, we may call it a side hustle or whatever it is, or you just do two things, mm -hmm. whatever that is. And so, um, like I do real estate, and so that's my side hustle. It's real, it's real estate. But I mean, that's very entrepreneurial in itself. And yeah. so you have to, all the skill sets I learned, whether it was in Rhodes College or just corporate America, I had to use in that. And while I didn't grow up as an entrepreneur, I was like, now I'm forced to, in this particular industry, having to exercise those things. The firm I work for, they hire people who have an entrepreneurial spirit because it's almost like everybody's running their own little business. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's different. I didn't know that was a skill set we would be looking for. So it's helpful in talent acquisition to see all of the things or the skill sets that we're looking for to bring someone in to be successful, whether they're crunching numbers or doing tax audit or whatever, uh, consulting. And so I think that's a great spirit to start, especially early. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So schools are offering CTE courses, that's uh, career and technical mm -hmm. um, education courses that allow them to obtain industry recognized certification. So let's say you need to get a phlebotomy cert uh, certification mm -hmm. or a CPR certification. They mm -hmm. are recognized by um, companies and organizations. So what are some of the benefits of those? I think the benefit is kind of going back to the first question about the students who really study hard and then they have a hard transition are the students who everybody's not cut out for college like they struggled with high school this is not their thing a lot of it has to do with your environment if you're not encouraged to go through that process even though that's our society is set up for you know go to school you know it's free here you know if you choose to and everyone's not encouraged to do that. So you may be in a household where everybody was dropped out of school, and so they're not encouraging you to keep better in yourself. But I think those CTE courses are helping people be a value add to society. Like they can have well-paid jobs when they get this certification if they don't choose to go to um, matriculate through a college or do secondary and get their master's or PhD. Like that's a different type of person. And everybody's not made to do that, but I think those add value. And so I was looking at just DISD site of um, the Dallas Independent School District of the CT courses they have and all of the things. And I was unaware of how many. There are like 12 different paths that students can take. And I know they're making them make those choices early. And so I'm not sure everybody's ready for that. But I don't see a problem like when we were in school that you had to go to the school by your house. Like people are transferring but based on what that school has to offer, which is great. Again, the options that are available in the education sector. And so, but I think it helps build teamwork, problem solving and communication, which are things that will be value add for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. um, and those particular things, but getting that skill offered to you earlier than waiting till you spend a lot of money on a college degree. And then you're like, I wanna do this, I wanna go do something else. And mm -hmm. so I think it's a time saver and a money saver for them to do it at the high school level, yeah. to do that and be able to have proof that you have this skill set to be able to go into a market that's going to pay you a, um, a value worth what you're, you're worth mm -hmm. and to be able to, to do something that you'd like to do to follow your passion. Yeah, I was talking to one student, or she, she was part of a presentation that I was at at one of these schools, and uh, she was saying that she, so she has phlebotomy, she has, uh, there's like four different medical oh certifications that she has, mm -hmm. and she said that she added up how much it would cost to get this, mm -hmm. and it was on the low level, 10 grand. Easy. And Easy. the school is paying for it. Right. Yeah. And so they're taking advantage of that. For those that are taking advantage, that's great because they can go into any medical, like healthcare system is not going anywhere. It's just getting bigger. <laughs> right. And so with the private, not the private clinics, but the surgical clinics, because it's less expensive for the doctors to be there than going to a hospital. There's all these different offshoots of what's going on in medicine. And so everybody needs a phlebotomist in those different practices or just a regular um, women's wellness office. They need that. Somebody, instead of sending you somewhere and paying that fee for a lab, they'll keep that in-house. So the more skills you bring to your place of employment, the happier you'll be and the more money I think it'll generate for you in the long run yeah. because you're keeping your opportunities open. As a parent, you know, sometimes 
we get ideas in our head because we're, we're used to it the way it used to be. Yes. So if we're focusing on and the schools are focusing on career readiness, does that mean my kid's not going to go to college? No, not at all. It's still the conversation that you have with your kid. You know your, your child better than anybody else. If you're having those conversations and they're showing you, and especially your kids doing entrepreneurial stuff, you have your pulse on what makes them happy and what they excel at. You can see it and you can guide them as such. Everybody doesn't have that kind of support system, but just because not going to college now is not looked on as negative as it probably was when we were going oh, yeah. to school, like going to junior college. And we were like, I wouldn't go to junior college. Who goes <laughs> to junior college? And now I tell students, go to junior college, save your money. You're mm -hmm. going to take the same courses I took. I paid more money for them. You're going to take them for less the price. It's the same education. It's just the basics out the way. If college is the path you're going to go. Right. But the trade industry definitely is suffering now. We're, there's still a need for plumbers and electricians and general contractors and all of those people, especially in the housing market, where there was a shortage at one point because of the way the economy had gone. And I was like, I can't find a plumber to just go work on a house for me or come to my own house, those kind of things. And so there's still a shortage of just, I, we call it a trade, but it is a great business to have as an entrepreneur, have your own plumbing service, be an electrician, uh, be a general contractor, because that need, I think every day I go in my house, like I need something fixed. Mm -hmm. Who am I going to call? Mm -hmm. um, those type of things. Everybody wants that resource that people are your handyman. And so now you can't just use a handyman for everything. You need a licensed person to come in and do those things. And so I think just because they, you need to know whether college is the path they want to take that's going to help them get to where they want to go. Sometimes college is not the path to help students get to where they want to go. Mm -hmm. So I think now we're in a in society where it's not a negative, it's just a different path. It used to have such a stigma it on did, it. It did, it did. It did. But now it's a, it's a viable choice. It's a viable choice. And it's one mm -hmm. that, you know, plumbers make a whole lot of money. They do. And like, we all don't <laughs> want to call one because we're like, we know that's $120 <laughs> for them to just show up. So <laughs> we know the value of that now, but we didn't see that back then. And we weren't being told that either. Junior college wasn't something our parents considered or probably didn't have the opportunity to go to because there was a smaller segment of schools that they could attend. Right. So junior college wasn't even a part of that. And so I took some junior college classes like in the summertime um, so I could get out. Well, I thought I was going to get out in a decent time frame. <laughs> <laughs> in a decent time frame. But now I think it's a great option, especially if you're having to fund your way through school, then save the money and spend it on something that you know is going to get you there. And with the dual credit high school, students are coming out with their associate's degrees. Oh, yeah. So they're bypassing the junior college level altogether. Mm -hmm. So there's still, even now, the um, nursing industry, you used to be able to go to junior college and get their certificate, and now you actually have, you have your bachelor's in nursing mm -hmm. to be more, to be successful or to hire. So they keep, most industries keep putting entry point criteria that keep making it higher and higher. So no, yes, you got to have a degree where before you didn't. Yes, you got to have a degree in this certificate and before you didn't. So I work at a CPA firm, so the majority of the people who have an accounting degree have a CPA. I might have an accounting degree, but I don't. But my whole team of people, nobody has an accounting degree except one person, and they happen to be a CPA. And I'm the only other person on the team that has an accounting degree. But everyone on the team is hiring accountants. Mm. And so I was like, well, I got a leg up. Because I now accounting was not my thing, but I have a degree. Mm. <laughs> so, And I've used it over the course of my professional career. I did accounting for a couple of years, but then I transitioned to the technical side that supported the accounting. So I was still able to talk about it, which helped me get into sales meetings that I probably wouldn't have been invited to because I could talk shop. Mm -hmm. And so didn't waste it by no means. And having both is necessary. And there's companies that now are thinking, I'm going to hire this degree, but I'm going to teach this other. Mm -hmm. So maybe I want to hire an engineer and I'm going to teach them accounting because I'm building software mm -hmm. kind of thing instead of me hiring an accountant that knows what the software is supposed to do, but they don't know how to code it. And so companies are making different decisions on what skill set or even major to go after to enter the workplace because they need kind of having multiple things. You can't just be a one-trick pony. Right. You have to bring something else to the table. Right. So, and technology is the way to go. And I know people don't really equate technology and accounting together, but it's the future. I mean, AI is going to be what everybody's doing and whatever that means to however you interpret that and what it's going to look like because it's just at the beginning. But 
we never thought we'd get computers on our phone either, <laughs> right? <laughs> or laptops from the big old box uh, computer that we all used to have and be able to have information ready. And so that technology is really taking off and transitioning much faster. So bringing multiple skill sets with you, even though it, have a major and a minor, so you can be more valuable if corporate America is where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What skills do students need to be prepared for a job or an internship? search? I think um, research abilities is high. I still have friends of mine who call me and ask questions about where do I get such and such. I was like Google. Google's my friend. Is Google not <laughs> your friend? Google everybody's is everybody's friend. friend. <laughs> so I did a couple of things. Even on because I worked with En-ROADS for so long people think I have access to scholarships and I know where all the money is. I don't know where all the money is but I know there's lots of money out there that gets unused every yeah. year mm -hmm. and people are like we don't even know how to give the money away and so pe students are not asking for it. Researching, if you do know the industry you want to go to, research the industry, and then the companies that value that industry probably have scholarships for you to go to school. Um, and companies are looking at different ways to get people or students to be interested in their particular industry or their firm, and so there's money that you are unaware of. Most corporate America has foundations. Those foundations donate to scholarship funds. So those are just different avenues. On my Pinterest account, I put a folder for scholarships, and every time I would see something, I would put it in there. So when now when people ask me, I was like, do you have Pinterest? If you don't, download it and just go to my folder. Uh -huh. Because there's a lot of research contained into how do I write applications for college? How do I apply for these scholarships? Some don't need essays, some do. How do you write the essay? All that information is in there from ninth grade to twelfth grade and college students. For anyone that needs information, you know, I just made a folder in Pinterest for that. But um, the same skill sets that you're learning through high school and college and, and from any job that's transferring that we already talked about those soft skills, but research is probably the first mm -hmm. to be able to figure out where it is you want to go. And if you don't, have someone in your immediate circle that can help you with that. Find someone, a mentor that doesn't mind um, advising or a friend of the family that may be in corporate America and they're doing something you want to do. Spend time with them and be prepared for job shadowing is a great way to get into an internship just to go and see what it's about. It has the same value as if our parents taking us to their job mm -hmm. every day. Like my dad took me to work and I was like, oh my gosh, I knew what my dad did. I never knew what my mom did. I never went to work with her. And I just found out she did exactly what I'm doing today. So I was like, oh, it's a full circle moment. Huh. So she was in <laughs> HR and she was a recruiter. I was like, I had no idea. <laughs> this is great. And so I know my story is a little backwards and I'm coming into things later, but those type of things, job shadowing. How do you, how do you get a job shadowing opportunity? I think it's using the network, the network of your parents. Uh, really using the people that you know uh, and we all kind of know what everybody dabbles in or does for a living or if they don't that you know who to ask to get the information and so asking that person hey can I spend do you have this type of program set up at your company if not can I spend a day or two with you just to see what you're doing and so I think that's invaluable even if you want to work in a dentist's office or a doctor's office still those type of it's the relationships first that kind of get you in the door but I don't think there's not a professional that wouldn't give you the time to show you to bring someone else into the industry that they're in because most people are passionate about what they do whether they like their job or not but they're passionate about what they do and they want to give that and if a student asks they're like oh oh I didn't know anybody wanted to know there's not a professional that doesn't love talking about themselves or <laughs> wanting to do that. For college students, I tell them, um, use LinkedIn and, and do the research and see who's in the industry you want to be in. Mm -hmm. Send them a note and ask them for five or ten minutes of their time, either on the phone or meet for coffee. And I know most college students don't drink coffee, but meet for a beverage don't? and have them... <laughs> have them discuss that with you. And so sometimes a phone call can do it. It doesn't have to, have to be a whole day of job shadowing, but I just think a lot of people are more visual. So if you could see the day in the life of whatever that is, I think brings value to you helping form like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was gonna be all that. I don't really right. wanna do that. Let me go do this. And so there's more opportunities. Relationships are great to get you in the door, but you don't necessarily have to have one. Networking is always the best avenue to start with. Um, and the research. Those two things are key to do. How can kids start networking without it just being their parents' network? What do we need to do about relationship building and networking as younger kids, not just, high, not just college kids? It is 
Younger kids are involved in so much more. I don't know a student who's not playing some sport, some instrument, or in some group that needs to be somewhere. So parents are now chauffeurs yeah. for the most part. And so in those environments, maybe reached out to the parents in those environments instead of just, hey, I'm going to my girlfriend's house and we're going to play soccer. What do the parents really do? You know, if you find out, and it may be a nudge from your parent that helps you do that, mm -hmm. um, to find out that one of the other soccer moms or soccer dads is doing something your, your child has said they wanted to do and, and have them go up and create that relationship. And, and maybe they're not the person, but they'll know someone else in the industry that will be able to give them that avenue. Mm -hmm. But because they're involved in so many extracurricular activities, there's so many opportunities because you're meeting so many different people and you're, I'm not saying forced friendships, but almost forced friendships because you're with those people for long periods of time and having to share the, your student or your child with them for a long period of time, whatever it is. I just think using that group of people um, outside of your parents would be a great avenue for younger students. Yeah, and also keeping up with your principals and your yes. um, assistant principals mm -hmm. and your teachers, because mm -hmm. back in the day, we used to graduate and move on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. even with, with our um, classmates, yes. we really didn't necessarily keep up with them. You know, right. with the advent of Facebook, it's easier to do now. Mm -hmm. But making sure you build relationship with those administrators in the building, yes. because they're going to be great people to give uh, recommendation letters. Definitely. And, you know, just to network with and mm -hmm. you know who do you know and who do you know that's doing what I wanted to do and things like that. Yeah. I find it amazing because like you said we didn't kind of grow up in that and mm -hmm. so it was like I don't really want to be the principal's friend. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't <laughs> even remember talking to the counselor really. But um, but I watched my sister-in-law navigate that with my niece and she's friends with all of her teachers. Yeah. Well not friends but well, she yeah. developed relationships. Mm -hmm. And the principals and she understands and because my niece played a sport you know she got to know everybody at a different kind of level than the other parents. And so definitely taking advantage of those opportunities because people are coming back into their high schools and um, their middle schools and sharing and maybe they're being asked to speak. And so they're kind of keeping their pulse on what's going on out in the workplace too. Mm -hmm. So that's a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So in a perfect world, no, actually, scratch that. Okay. <laughs> Does that I exist? changed my mind. Okay. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay. Exactly. Um, tell me about um, how businesses are aiding in career exploration for students um, and okay. different things that they're doing. So a lot of industries are having like a day in the life or what we would call an open house for you to come mm. in and see. And so they create activities for the students to come get a glimpse. So in NABA, we have an ACAP program, which is Accounting Careers Awareness. And there's a corporation visit. It may be one or two. So they get to go in and see different corporate cultures. So maybe one day they're at Southwest, which everyone knows they have a different reputation or their culture, or they may go to a public accounting firm, which is opposite. So they get to see the differences and they get a walkthrough. They get to meet some people and kind of see what the work is like. Other companies do the open house and just have little stations for you to get to know people um, outside of an organized group. Some um, companies reach out to the high schools or the middle schools and do partnerships whether it's through JA or some other type of nonprofit. JA. Junior Achievement, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Um, I work in an environment where everything's an acronym, so forgive me. <laughs> yes, I know. And I'm like, what's that mean, Texas, <laughs> what's that mean? So I apologize. They, um, any type of group that where they're having the corporations come into the classroom, they sometimes do a field trip to the company so they get kind of get to see what it looks like live and in person. Mm -hmm. um, at my firm, we have a leadership development program, but it is kind of for, um, during the holidays, well, two different things. During the holidays, uh, students will be able to come into uh, and have a visit day at whatever that's called, organized. So it's called Explore. Then when they're sophomores in college, there's a leadership development program and they come in for a two-day type of thing and really get engrossed into what the work is like. So a lot of companies have programs like that where they're really partnering with Corporate America and getting them involved, like please show us what you're doing to keep that conversation going because things change on both sides. Mm -hmm. And um, and so there's those avenues. So you wanna look for leadership uh, development programs or explore type of programs in whatever industry your child has an interest in mm -hmm. to just see what it's like. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about, we, we touched on it at the beginning, about inroads. You and I mm -hmm. are both inroads alone. Yes. So what do they do exactly? And it, it's sure. a great opportunity for advancement. It is. Mm -hmm. Inroads um, has shifted. There was 
we start, well, there used to be a college part, I mean, a high school component, right. and students would go from high school to college. I didn't start in the high school component, so I don't know what used to be done, but now the high school component is coming back, and it's called College Links. So when you go to inroads.org um, webpage, you can click on College Links and get more information. It's rolling out to additional cities, so I know one's coming to the Dallas area, but there's already one in Cincinnati, Baltimore, Atlanta, um, oh my gosh, Chicago, and New Jersey. They already exist and we're rolling more out each year. And so different kind of corporation uh, commitment to do that, but it's gonna be freshmen and sophomores that get exposure to understanding and getting more leadership development on the soft skills. And so soft skills, not a class you can take. On most campuses, it has to be a really large university that may exist, but on most campuses, you get your soft skills by being a part of organizations and associations. And, and being able to work on things, whether it's the Black MBAs has the lead program for high school students and they do presentations and projects and they get to present and win scholarship money and those type of things. So organizations have things that you can participate in to learn those soft skills. But what Inroads does is really build on that. So there's college links for the high school component. Internships really are on the uh, college side and so Companies can get interns as either they're a freshman after their freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, or senior year, because some people graduate the following December. And it is preparing them for the interview in corporate America, so really giving their resume um, some more punch and power, making it a little bit more professional, because students have, still have their high school email addresses and they're very playful. They don't necessarily <laughs> translate well to professional, to corporate America. So we work on all those things, and then we work on interviewing management and impression management. So how do you look? How do you present yourself? And then all pieces to do with the interview, we give them that training, and then we do a mock interview. The companies select who they want to interview for the internship, and they make the decision. Then we take the students and do leadership development training. Again, honing on more of emotional intelligence. They do business cases, and they maybe do something playful like make up a game and try to sell it, kind of a widget, and, and sell it to the, the rest of the group. They do a lot of group activity. They get some social time, but really honing in, being in a room with other people who are going through what you're going through as an intern and everybody's experience is different, but they're able to share those opportunities, grow their network because they get to meet um, executives from other companies that they may not be working with. They freely give out their business cards, use me as a resource, contact me, whatever you need just to, to be there for them. And just increasing their network on the um, student side as well as the corporate side all in one fell swoop in the summertime. And then we do, or they do a uh, National Day of Service. So giving back to the community is always a part of the organization. And so if you do that, when we were in it, we would just go back like every summer just I'd show up at my job like you ready for me today right. and now students are like oh, I may want a different opportunity I may want to oh, go work somewhere stay else with the same organization all four years so we are from the loyalty generation and that's oh. why I keep talking about generations because it morphs into something else and so the generation we grew up in has more loyalty like our parents had a job stayed there until they retired mm -hmm. or maybe had one more job but they retired from that job and then where we are today there are very few people have been somewhere 20 years or 15 years mm -hmm. or 10 and because they're they have so many more opportunities presented to them one or two years they're like I'm tired I want to go do something else so even in the internship world the colleges are saying get as many experiences as you can oh okay so they're coming that doesn't necessarily sit well with corporate America but that's what colleges started doing hmm. so they're being coached one way and they get to corporate America some like what they're doing the first time around and some don't because technically an internship is to give you experience for one to see if this is what you want to do and if not you should be able to move something else and so corporate America moves slower than the rest of America and so <laughs> you have to find a good balance and so you have some students who have had an internship for three or four years even today but it would necessarily be in the oil and gas industry they really they kind of still have a loyalty factor because mm -hmm. they get to do hands-on, they get to do something that they love, they find out they love it even more, and they get paid well. And then you have those who, that corporate environment wasn't a good fit for them, and so they desire something else. Or something may happen where the company had an economic crisis and they had to close down that particular location, and so now you don't have an internship 
at that location. And now there may not be another one of their location in the city. So okay. do you relocate or do we find you something else that's appropriate for you? So very different than what you and I experienced. When oh my we gosh. Were. I know, it took me three months when I started working there. I said, now what, what, <laughs> what happened? They do what? They have options. Right. Three months I was on the floor. I was like, okay. And then I finally got the knack of it. I mean, the, the purpose is to understand corporate America have access to corporate America because there's still a challenge for underrepresented students in corporate America. There's still a challenge and um, and have be a support system. Do you have a, you get a coach that you can talk to about school or work and it's a year round learning cycle. So the internship may be in the summertime, but you still have your coach all through the school year as well. Okay. So there's still that support, even if you're struggling with the class, um, maybe help with tutoring. We may pay for that to help you get over that hump if we know where you're trying to go. Okay. You still have a GPA requirement to meet and um, attend all the trainings. So that part of it hasn't changed. And the purpose at the end of the day for what you get hasn't changed, but how you get there has changed Very a little different. bit. Yeah, because yeah, I I interned with Nations Bank, yes. which is now Bank, Bank of America. America. Uh -huh. And the idea was for me to stay with Nations Bank all four years. Yeah, exactly. And they had a fabulous program. Mm -hmm. So they put me in, I was in the institutional trust department. Okay. I worked as a teller. So you had a rotation. So every summer mm -hmm. I was in a new, um, a new part of yeah. Nations Bank. And the idea was, I'm going to learn so much about this organization, and they're going to invest in me so much that mm -hmm. they're going to want to offer me a job exactly. when I get out. So it's completely different now. And that is still, companies are still wanting to convert uh, the, the intern to a full-time position. And that's any industry, out, inside inroads, outside inroads. If you have an intern, the goal is you've exposed them and invested in them. Right. And so you might as well, on day one, they're ready to go. And so you don't have to send them to training, which a lot of companies have gotten rid of their training programs. Anyway, they need you to come to work day one ready. And so you having that exposure to what they do and how they do it can only be a value add, right? And so you will get to advance quicker because you had a leg up and were exposed versus someone who didn't get the exposure, didn't come from an environment where they were getting the support. And then they come to work day one and they're like, speaking of the student you referred to earlier, like, oh my gosh, this is so different. Mm -hmm. Having that support and exposure is valuable to help you navigate corporate America and you have someone who's safe to talk to about, I experienced this, is this right? Is this what happens in corporate America? Mm -hmm. Whether it is racism or whether it is um, gender inequality, yeah, mm -hmm. any of that. Those type of things, or you just felt like you were done wrong um, you have someone to talk to before you make what we call a CLM, another acronym, a career limiting move. Uh -oh. and, <laughs> and they're like, if you don't do something, we're going to send the student home today. <laughs> so um, there are still people struggling in the internship because they haven't been exposed before. But that's what En-ROADS is there to kind of help nurture that and answer those questions and guide mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. And so it's changed the way it is rolled out, but the purpose at the end of the day is the same. Yeah, yeah. One quick last question is, okay. when considering a career path, what questions should we ask our child and what questions should they be asking themselves? Woo. Um, I would think for a parent, um, I kind of mentioned earlier, like you're watching your child grow and you're seeing what strengths they have and kind of can guide them that way. And so discovering what their strengths are probably is key. Because mm -hmm. if your strength is, um, for I'll just use myself as an example. My father said as a personnel director, People will, there will always be lawyers and accountants from his perspective. Uh-huh. I believed what he said. Just like your father, tough, 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 tough. I was like, okay, I'll pick one. Uh-huh. So I picked accounting. And true enough, people need accountants. Every company has them, whether it's public accounting or just regular corporate America uh, or private, everybody has an accounting department. Uh -huh. So that's a true statement. But when I switched to the technical side, I had a better aptitude for working with computers and coding and understanding how it all fits together. And then I think back, I was like, I probably should have majored in that and I could have had a whole different career path. Do I want to do this again? No, I, I appreciate all of the <laughs> I appreciate all the experiences I've had up to this point that got me to where I am today. So, no, I don't want to repeat that or go back through school or any of that. But um, it would have changed kind of what I would have done because I picked computers up a little bit quicker. And so you'll be able to see what your child picks up quicker. So understanding their strengths is great. Exposing them to different opportunities once you know what that strength is to see what they gravitate to. Because there are some kids who are like, I want to be a doctor. I already know I want to be a biologist. I know I want to be a surgeon. I was like, 
How do you know how that? How do you know? I don't know how Those they people know. people who are 15, 60 who are... Still, still trying, trying to figure, figure out what out. we want to do when we grow up. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Then I would find them mentors. If that's not a strength that you possess or you know anything about the industry, reach out to a friend or ask someone who's the best person to kind of mentor your, your child in the area that they're gravitating to. Mm -hmm. And so that's a good way to advise them. And then find them a support group. Find other students, other um, other friends that are seeking those same type of things. They don't have to be the same industry, but are desiring, want to know more about a certain industry or whatever, and take them as a group and not just individual because they, they'll perform better together right. if they have, and I, I call them inspiration friends, so they'll inspire each other, which is kind of what we got from Inroads, right? We all were going through the same thing, so we could all bounce things off each other. It's the same kind of concept if you just take it to a younger generation. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to end. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining Thank you. Me. This was great. Yes, yes. This is some really great information. Awesome. And we will have information about inroads on our website so awesome. that people, if they're interested in that, will have that opportunity for their kids. So School Days is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation, so we always want you guys to know what's going on with Noggin. Our mission is to help close the achievement gap for economically disadvantaged children by improving educational opportunities for students, supporting families, and encouraging excellence and innovation in the classroom. School Days is part of a commitment to support families by providing access to experts who offer information and resources regarding all topics that impact education. So if you love this program, please consider donating to Noggin. Your gift will be tax deductible. Head to our website, schooldaysshow.com, to give today. Next week, we will play an encore episode with our guest, Katrina Mabry-Smith, who is the District Avid Coordinator for Mansfield ISD. She spoke to us about helping your kids develop smart goals and encouraging a growth mindset. Most of us have a little bit of time off for the holidays, so it's the perfect time to sit down with your kids and prepare for 2020. So don't forget to share that with your parent friends. And um, as always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com, for more information and um, for all the resources that we mentioned on school days and everything that we're doing with Noggin Educational Foundation. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, we always want to end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, feel free to, info, to email me at info at schooldaysshow.com. Have a great week. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.